Welcome to Coffee and Conservation, hosted by Dr. Beth Baker, Assistant Extension Professor in the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Aquaculture at Mississippi State University. From water and soil to habitat and food production, Dr. Baker and her guests discuss the necessity and complexity of conservation in the U.S. All right, everyone, welcome back to Coffee and Conservation. I am Beth Baker, and today, PhD student Alexandra Firth and I are back with Dr. John Brooks, USDA Agricultural Research Service research microbiologist. This episode is relevant to everyone. I'm still just blown away by how much I learned during this episode, where we are talking about antimicrobial resistance, a topic that is very relevant to human and environmental health, yet it is talked about much less in conservation circles. So let's dive right back in with Dr. John Brooks and Lexi. Um, so first, if we could just start, like, how did you get into that antimicrobial resistance side? You, you mentioned in the first episode that pathogens are your passion, anything that makes you sick. So how did you find yourself doing antimicrobial resistance? Um, so back while I was at University of Arizona, um, there was a point uh, around my second year, my third year, where I was wrapping up my dissertation work. And we actually, and it's, it's sort of a sad story, we, we had a, a, a death uh, amongst the faculty there. And her research was um, in antimicrobial resistance. And, and specifically in an area that I was already researching, so environmental antimicrobial resistance and particularly the use of, of municipal biosolids and how that influences antimicrobial resistance in the environment. At that point in time, this was a very hot topic discussion. Um, the use of class B municipal biosolids was a huge topic at that point. There were lawsuits all across the country California, Virginia, Texas, you name the state, there was probably a lawsuit uh, going on involved, uh, involving the use of, of this particular fertilizer. And so one of the concerns with this fertilizer was uh, antimicrobial resistance. And so um, I took over her research because like I said, I was finishing up my dissertation work. And so I took over her research at that point. I knew I was going to stick around for a postdoc uh, at that point, so I knew that I could take on this research and see it to its uh, completion. And so uh, that's basically how I got into it. Um, at that point in time, I really, I honestly say I wasn't that aware of antimicrobial resistance. Uh, this was about 2003, 2004. Um, and I, I was really not that aware other than from a, a book standpoint. Uh, you know, I, I was aware, but I was the, the concerns at that point were really virus uh, based. Um, uh, so it, it wasn't as big of a deal with the antimicrobial resistance, even though it it certainly was a, a big deal, um, you know, since the 40s. Uh, it, it's been a big deal. So, John, um, a lot of the time I hear um, antibiotic resistance. Um, but we're talking about antibiotic resistance or antimicrobial resistance within the environment. Can you tell us what that actually is and how that might be different from human health? 
Yeah, so um, antibiotic resistance, basically you can think of that as a subset of antimicrobial resistance. Uh, antimicrobial resistance is, is the more broad term. Uh, antibiotic is something, is an antibiotic is an antimicrobial. Um, and so what often happens with us microbiologists is we'll use the terms interchangeably, uh, antimicrobial, antibiotic, we kind of equate them. Uh, however, antimicrobial captures even more, such as antiviral, antifungal, uh, those are all chemicals that are captured under antimicrobial, whereas antibiotic is really focused in on chemicals that are used to treat bacteria. So in the environment, can you give us an example of what that antibiotic resistance is or antimicrobial resistance is? Yeah, so, well... Um, Basically, in the environment, um, antibiotic resistance, antimicrobial resistance, has been around for three billion years. Ever since bacteria were first introduced, uh, first uh, on the scene, uh, you had antibiotic resistance. Um, for those that, that aren't aware, antibiotics basically are, were produced by certain subsets of bacteria, certain subsets of, of fungi. Uh, in the soil, and basically what they're doing is they are, these bacteria, these fungi, they're all competing for the same nutrients. They're all fighting for that, that piece of carbon that's in the soil. They're all fighting for that one piece. And, and the soil is a very harsh environment. It's a very dangerous environment. And, and only the best are gonna survive. And so one way for these organisms to get a head start was to produce these chemicals, uh, basically considered as, as almost like a nuclear warhead uh, of an antibiotic is, is basically that. And, and they, would, they would use these chemicals, secrete them into the soil and kill off their neighboring bacteria. Well, that bacteria eventually through genetic mutations in the soil, uh, that bacteria would develop resistance. And that resistance um, is where we found our first resistance to antibiotics. Uh, that's where it originated from. So really you can blame the environment if you want to. Uh, you can blame the environment for antibiotic resistance because is, that is where it came from, uh, is from the soil. Um, if, if, you, if you get into more recent uh, times, this is kind of an antibiotic resistance history lesson, but if you get into more recent times, um, going into the 1940s, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. So we had uh, a, quite a few wars at that point. We had World War II, uh, we had the Korean War, and of course we were leading into to Vietnam at that point in time. And during all these wars, one of the, one of the biggest things that affected uh, some of the injured in World War I uh, were uh, bacterial infections. And so you had scientists across the board trying to develop uh, chemicals that would help aid bacterial infections. And so they turned to uh, uh, biological organisms. And, and so those of you may know Alexander Fleming, uh, and he is the one that first developed, or him and his team are the ones that first uh, came up with uh, penicillin. And so, but the thing is, is as soon as penicillin was uh, introduced, 
within uh, one year of, of Fleming or a couple years of, of Fleming discovering it, there was already a Staphylococcus that was resistant to penicillin. So the chemical, the, the penicillin itself wasn't even used on any human at that point, other than maybe on a test subject. But at that point, there was already antibiotic resistant uh, Staphylococcus. And, and the reason for that is because it came from the environment. And so um, that's kind of the history lesson of, of antibiotic resistance. Uh, and that kind of carries us to where we're, we're at today. Because uh, one of the biggest things was if we're going to use these antibiotics, uh, we, we know they are going to select for resistance. Whether you're using them correctly or incorrectly, they're going to select for resistance. That, that's the bottom line. And, and you get to uh, today, and of course we have seven, I don't know, you may correct me on this, seven billion people on the planet, some seven and a half billion people on the planet, something We've like gotta that. be in that range. So, um, and with that, you have a lot of crowding. Uh, there's particular areas of the, of the world that are more crowded uh, than others. And, and uh, you have a lot more infections uh, that, are, that are being quickly spread between people and companies that are not necessarily investing as much as they used to in producing antibiotics. Because to produce an antibiotic costs millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to produce an antibiotic. And so we need to now protect the antibiotics that we have. And in that case, we're talking about uh, you know, judicial use of antibiotics, whether you're using them for um, uh, concentrated animal feeding operation uh, or your, your child is sick uh, with a cold or with the flu and you as the parent need to understand that uh, an antibiotic is not going to help uh, treat the flu or a cold virus. Uh, we have to understand that and convey that information so that uh, we don't use these precious antibiotics uh, that, that are just, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of them now at this point. We're, uh, a lot of them are becoming ineffective and, and we have to protect that. So John, I, it sounds like it's pretty obvious about why within human health, uh, antibiotic resistance matters a lot. How does that connect to environmental antibiotic resistance? And why does environmental antibiotic resistance uh, matter? Like, why is it a problem? How does it happen? Well, you said how it happened, but why is that a problem? So that's a problem at this point in time for, for two main reasons. So one reason is in many ways, the environment is a conduit that allows antibiotic resistance to get from the environment to us. We grow the majority of our food uh, in the environment, whether that is, whether you're a vegetarian or a vegan, your food is coming from the environment. If you're a strict carnivore or a Texan and you're only eating steak uh, and potatoes every day, the, your food is coming from the environment. And so environmental antibiotic resistance becomes very important at that point because the environment will transfer that resistance to you through your, your food, but also because the environment functions as a reservoir for resistance. So in this case, not only is our food production potentially adding resistance to the environment, 
but we are too. So it's, it's an even exchange between us and the environment and the environment and us. So for instance, I, I mentioned uh, the use of, of municipal class B biosolids. And for those that don't know what that is, basically if you flush the toilet, the material that goes down the drain has to get put and used somewhere. Uh, it used to be incinerated. It used to be dumped in the ocean. Uh, those are, are, are techniques that we don't use anymore, although incineration is still used to a degree and landfilling is still used. But one way to, to utilize that material is to land apply it for fertilizer. But when you do that, there is a potential that you're going to introduce antibiotic resistance into the environment. So there's that give and take uh, where we are in, 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 you know, adding antibiotic resistance to the environment while the environment is also sending antibiotic resistance uh, our way. And, and of course, as I explained earlier, the, the medical and human health implications of that, uh, we're, we're running out of antibiotics. And so we need to find ways to protect the antibiotics that we have. Um, there's also another concern and that is the use of antibiotics uh, for the rearing of animals and for uh, cultivating fruit trees and, and, and apples and oranges. Uh, those, those cultivation management, uh, when there's an outbreak of a particular pathogen in those fields, uh, you as the farmer will select an antibiotic that, that is prescribed for, for your field and they'll broad-based apply that antibiotic to the field. There, there was an emergency exception for one uh, recently in the last year or two uh, in Florida. Uh, for applying uh, antibiotics to, to fields because we had a lot of orange trees that were dying uh, uh, from, from a pathogen uh, in the environment. So those uses of antibiotics, while they are very helpful and needed, uh, what, you know, like I said, growing trees or growing fruit, uh, rearing animals, they're very useful in that respect, but we have to start to question whether or not that is a proper use of the antibiotic. Um, maybe there's other techniques that we can do to keep us from using those antibiotics. And, and to, to the credit of our farmers, to the credit of, of the people who purchase uh, chicken and, and beef and the people who grow chicken and beef, uh, we've done a really good job of actually reducing our antibiotic use uh, throughout the country. E even in the last 15 years, there's been a huge uh, change in, in our practices. Uh, so, so we are doing a good job. We, we probably need to do a better job, but, but we're, we're doing a good job. Yeah. Like with, like with anything, you know, it sounds like, especially in regards to this topic of balance is key because these biological technologies, as you mentioned, are so important to, to have helped us reach production levels that we're at today that are much higher than they were historically. And at the same time, they pose this environmental and human health risk. Uh, so yeah, the balancing act there is, is incredible. And of course, with, with most things, we don't know the full effect until years down the road, uh, you know, and, and the full risks associated with that. You work in this realm of antimicrobial resistance uh, in the environment at a pretty large scale. Um, so can you talk about how 
this topic of antimicrobial resistance in the environment has gained recognition at the global scale and, and why it has gained importance and what we can expect to see in the coming years? Yeah, so I, I kind of uh, alluded to it earlier and, and the, you know, the, the fact that we're running out of antibiotics, the fact that we're increasing our population, the population that we currently have, uh, they have a, a craving, if you want to say that's the right word, they have a want for meat. And so the only way to produce these products on such a large scale and be able to feed entire populations across the country, entire populations across the world, unfortunately, when we were first increasing our, our ability to produce these animals, we relied heavily on growth promotion. And one of the chemicals that we used for growth promotion was antibiotic. So if you have a chicken house, a broiler house that has 25,000 chickens in it, you can imagine that by the time these chickens are three or four weeks old, it's getting pretty full in that house. And you have chickens on top of other chickens on top of other chickens. You know, there, there's a lot of activity in there. And of course, if you have one pathogen that makes its way in there, it can spread very quickly from one chicken to the next chicken to the next chicken. And next thing you know, you've lost 50% of your population. So in that respect, the, the farmers and, and veterinarians, they relied on these growth promotion and antibiotics. They could get bigger chickens uh, they could get uh, healthier chickens um, and grow them in these very enclosed environments uh, that, that um, of course, maximize profits, but also um, reduce the losses that you would sustain. Because most farmers are functioning on a very small, you know, uh, 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 profit margin. And so any competition, any competitive uh, advantage that they can get uh, for, for growing such so many animals, uh, they, they will take it and, and rightfully so. And so on the global scale, um, we are now at a point, like I said, where we're running out of antibiotics and globally, we're all recognizing this, whether it's the European Union, Russia, the US, China, uh, India, we're all on board and we're all recognizing that this is an issue. And the only way to address this issue from a food standpoint, this is, I'm only talking about food. Um, the only way to address it from a food standpoint is to have everyone join up and get on board on one unifying set of rules. And, and now these rules have to be set up in a way that help the poorest of the countries that are producing food to of course, the most industrialized countries like, like ourselves and like uh, uh, European Union and Canada and whatnot. So you have to have this broad based set of roles that helps everybody, but also still enables us to actually make a, a dent in this antimicrobial resistance problem. And so globally, that's, that's where we're at right now is trying to organize countries into getting them to uh, 
get their industries to reduce the use of antibiotics. Um, and in some cases, it's it's not just the inappropriate use of antibiotics, but it's also the uh, appropriate use of antibiotics, um, trying to get them to, hey, maybe let's try this other management technique um, that may work better for you. And maybe you can cut your antibiotic use by 20%, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and then of course there's your inappropriate uses where uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest and show there's papers out there that have shown that, uh, antibiotics in other countries being dumped into rivers and, and, uh, uh, empty barrels that were, that once held pounds and pounds of antibiotics, empty barrels are just dumped into a river. Well, there's residue in that barrel. And if you're dumping that into a river, you're of course introducing antibiotics into that river and, and you're causing problems there. So these sorts of things that need to be looked at from a global scale, um, we have to remember that we're not in, a, in our bubble of the US, we are uh, part of a global community. And so we have to, uh, sometimes the rules are not good for for us and our profit margins, but they're good for the great they're they're good for the greater good, and and we have to look at it that way with when it comes to antimicrobial resistance, uh, the greater good because our our you know the, our kids 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 are four generations from now when there are no antibiotics available um, or very few antibiotics available, uh, you're gonna see. You know, hundreds of thousands of deaths per year that are for sure preventable deaths. Right now, we average about 23,000 deaths per year uh, to antibiotic resistance. And those are all technically preventable uh, deaths. You know, you go in for a knee surgery and you get a staph infection uh, on, on your knee and it leads to you passing away at a, you know, when you weren't supposed to pass away. Uh, that sort of thing is what we're trying to prevent. And, and globally, that is, that's where we're heading, is find ways to protect the environment, protect the human, humans inhabiting that environment. Okay. Well, I know I'm going to listen to this episode several times to ensure I fully comprehend the complex issues around antimicrobial resistance, but I'd say we set the stage as to why this topic is important for the general public and landowners and producers to understand. And in the next episode, we're going to start moving towards solutions to address antimicrobial resistance. So stay with us. As always, you can find more information on our website or in the show notes after the show. And we always want to acknowledge and thank our primary sponsor, the Mississippi Natural Resources Conservation Service, for their support of this podcast. Thanks for joining us for Coffee and Conservation. To find out more about the topics discussed, visit the REACH website at reach.msstate.edu or the Mississippi State University Extension Service website at extension.msstate.edu.